When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Nick. What's up, Adam? Where did you get that shirt you're wearing? The one that I like so much with the Star Wars things on it? Oh, this one. This one I get a lot of compliments on. I got this one from Roosevelt's. R-S-V-L-T-S. You know that company. I see them on Instagram all the time. They make great stuff. Shorts, shirts, all the business. Yeah. They have a bunch of great Star Wars designs, obviously. And other franchises like Marvel, WWE, Disney, and many, many more. So many more. They're more known for their button-down shirts, but they also do t-shirts and shorts. And not just for the men, but for the women and the children too. Dark. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way they fit. The fabric is super comfortable. Can't stop wearing them. Nice. Well, I'm going to rsvlts.com to make a purchase because I actually don't own anything yet and I've been meaning to buy something. I'm going to use the promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off my first purchase. And you can do the same again at rsvlts.com. I'm talking to you, listener. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. I'm back from the dead. Hey, I'm half back from the dead. I'm Nick, half dead. Like I said, half dead. Hey guys, it's Mike. I've now taken over this podcast and this is mine and Nick's. After picking up the pieces of you guys being rock stars, you know, I will give a shout out to Nick though for keeping it together during all of this. So I do have to say, Nick, well done. As I'm yawning. I don't know how I'm doing it, guys. I might just cease to exist one of these days. But you're here. It's going to be real sad for you all. I appreciate you guys so much. At the time, you didn't know all of everything that had fallen apart in my life. So I'll recap here because you didn't say it last week. As was discussed with when we were young and Mosh Eisley and traveling because I road tripped to and from. And and I said this on um, Instagram. It just wasn't possible for me to record. These dudes held it down. But then in terms of publishing the thing, editing, getting it all, that was as hard with the schedule. And then it was made extra hard slash nearly impossible by way of a, a, a white claw or wine or something getting spilled on my laptop, <laughs> probably at, during like the the packing up process of Mosh Eisley, because number one, I have no memory of that process at all. Nice. <laughs> La claw. But I do have a great skill. Even though I, I closed a laptop that was full of wine and put it in my bag, I still put it in my <laughs> bag. Who was drinking wine? Well, I don't even remember. Jill brought out a... We bought a bottle of wine, and she brought it oh, out there. I didn't see that. And some somehow at some point it broke. It rolled off and broke. And she came back. She's like, where'd the wine bottle go? And I just pointed oh, down at the ground at all the shards. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm putting two and two together now. Mm. Okay, okay. And there's also photographic evidence of white claws all over the place. And that's kind of what my MacBook smells like right now. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, cripes. The point being, despite not seeing any of that on the laptop when I put it away, 
everything in my bag was exactly where it should be. Like all of my cables were rolled up all in the right places. <laughs> Even the stuff that I rarely use, like the, the cables for the, the audio interface and all that. So I have this like innate autopilot thing for putting mm-hmm. away my technology in my bag. No matter how drunk I am, no matter what state I'm in, I, I seem to be able to do it, but I just can't keep white claws off of it. So much to learn. I still have. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, so nice. uh, point that's being, great. because my laptop was screwed, I couldn't, I mean, it's functional, but the keyboard is screwed. So the, the shift key just continuously, like 90% of the time is, is, is activated. So I couldn't even sign in to the account. I couldn't enter the correct password to get into my computer. So I had to wait until I got home to get an external keyboard and do it. But in the meantime, Mike cut together, you probably heard the edit with the, exactly what I was thinking the record screech of the intro music because we didn't have the full thing for you to use. (laughs) So perfect. Got that uploaded on my wife's computer. And now I'm home. I'm using an external keyboard. I got a little utility to turn off the internal so I'm not screwed. And this episode will be up today. And you know that because you're listening to it today. (laughs) End of story. Whoa. You are listening to it in the future, Mm -hmm. in the past. Yeah. It was a lot, man. Yeah. It was a lot. What an episode, though. What an episode of Andor. Episode nine. I like staying up late just to get really screwed with by Star Wars. Like it's a really just so, it gives me so much anxiety. This this arc in particular, because there's, I mean, it's prison. But when you really think about like, I don't know, I have some sense of claustrophobia and it's like, okay, so they're underwater. Let's start there. Ugh. This thing is underwater. So that gives me claustrophobia because that's my least favorite place to be that I never go to underwater. <laughs> <laughs> And then they're in jail cells working, no windows, no nothing. I just have this like overwhelming sense of like claustrophobic anxiety watching this, yeah. this arc. But it's so good. Did you guys mention last week, because I only listened to the first five minutes or so, the influences in terms of like the aesthetic no, and the vibe really. of the prison? Not really. Heavy THX 1138 vibes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Shout out George's first film. Soylent Green and The Island. Mm. The Michael Bay film. I know that one, yeah. Featuring Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And Black Widow. Yeah, Scar Joe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's anxiety through the roof for me as well. The thing that I, I, I'm feeling most now as we get, what, we're three quarters of the way through this, the, the character motivation here, it, like the writing is just so, so, so good. Like we keep saying on a level that we've never seen in Star Wars, specifically the way that the character motivation is written to get characters like Cassian and Mon Mothma to the places that we, we know them to be in the original films and give them sufficient motivation to do things like enter a full-scale militaristic revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, a politician who's all about peace and justice kind of leading an army is, is, is a big jump. So mm-hmm. we're seeing the Empire continuing to wear down Mon Mothma from like every angle. We, you know, we see her in the Senate. We'll talk about this later. It's just the frustration never ends. Her own family's against her. It's just, it's hell. And Cassian, I mean, like as if all the stuff with the heist and Nemec dying and the manifesto and all of that, as if that wasn't enough, they, the dude goes to prison, <laughs> a six year prison sentence for just like being there on vacation. He's just a mm-hmm. tourist, right? All of this, it's it, like, I've, we've never seen such deep, thorough, unassailably truthful character motivations in all of Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. we think about Han Solo showing up at the end at the last minute to blow up the Death Star, right? Like the smuggler is like, 
yeah, I'm back. Let's blow up this giant military installation. Let's just blow it up like in woohoo. And just, we're going <laughs> to, you know, it's just adventure time. We're going to just fly off into the sunset. If you really think about that out of the context of just like an adventure movie, it's borderline cartoonish. Silly. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so this stuff is like, this is real drama and it's, God, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. Sorry for the monologue. That is, uh, it's something that I didn't know was missing, you know? Like yeah. we kind of fill in the blanks with in Star Wars a lot, and that's the beauty in front of it. But now we're getting the long, drawn out reasons and watching the the kind of like rubber band effect of like how far you could pull back suffering basically before it like snaps back. Yeah, and it's really, really well done. Like this is this is an idea on how to tell Star Wars a Star Wars story, and that's cool that this was an idea. But they're pulling it off like ten out of ten. Like it's so so good. Would recommend. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's do some stealing of plans. What have you done with those plans? Andor, episode nine. Nobody's listening! (laughs) Debuted today, November 2nd. How was my accent? Nice. 2022 on Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus description. Uh, There was a typo in this, by the way. Under intense scrutiny while imprisoned, Cassian makes allies to plan an impossible escape. Mm. The two was missing. Uh. And I uh, inferred it. Is it back yet? Marcus fired. Did they did they fix it? I don't know. They're, let's see if they fix it more or less quickly than uh, the dude in jeans in The Mandalorian. <laughs> Written by Bo Willimon, who is the creator and writer of House of Cards, heavy hitter. He also wrote uh, Mary Queen of Scots and The Ides of March, movie starring Ryan Gosling and George Clooney, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Directed by Tony Haynes again. This is five episodes so far for him. He, I think, directs next week's as well. Starring no new characters of note, but Andy Serkis returns as Kino Loy. I love that man. Mm. And a 49-minute runtime. Is Andy Serkis, he's one of like three or four people that have multiple roles. Like the only one to have like significant long speaking roles. Multiple long speaking roles, right? Like the only other... In regards to what? In in Star Wars. You know, he's, he's got Snoke and then he's got this. Oh, yeah. And the only other one I can think of is Jeremy Bullock, who just, you know, yeah. played a, like a, a no-name, no-dialogue officer. Would you count Mark Hamill? Because he voices some yeah, things here and there. Yeah, you're right. So he would be number two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just little stuff. But a lot of little stuff. So in mm-hmm. the sum of it all, I guess Mark's the winner. But this is pretty sick to see Andy on screen. He's amazing. He's going to die, though. Yeah. He's going to die. But he'll die uh, valiantly, I, I would yeah. say. I would guess. Yeah. Same. All right, this opens with Nick's would-be future wife. I will save you. Being interrogated. Next episode, I break in through the window and save her. Spoiler alert, sorry. You swing in on a rope. My name's Nick Skywalker. I'm here to save you. <laughs> so Dedra is interrogating Bix Colleen, and Bix is screwed. Like, I don't know if we, did we know that Dedra had this much information on her? This seemed like a pretty big information dump. I didn't realize just how much they had, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess that that was that was off screen. 
because we knew that. I think last we knew that she was captured. I think that's pretty much where we left off, right, Mike? Last yeah. last week. Yeah, I remember that being a question. Right. We had talked about how we were trying to figure out if she was trying to kind of bait her into thinking. Yeah. You know, she made a point to have Bix come in as they were dragging her friend out, Puck. making yeah, right. it seem like yeah. she he had already talked, and mm-hmm. so. Though it seems like the amount of information she dumped on Bix definitely seems like she got a lot out. And whether Bix knows that background, it seems like they certainly trust each other enough to share that information. But she might have also not known the extent of what he was doing. But Deidre, she wasn't pulling punches, so she seemed to know. And if anything, if she's making it up, like, what was Bix going to do? Yeah, Yeah, and it's pretty spot on if she is making it up. So most likely, Pac... He probably had the same exact interrogation and, and, and spoke and just let everything out. That's his name, right? Pac? Pac, Pac. Yeah. Tupac. Two packs yeah. of sugar. <laughs> uh, Dr. Gorst. This dude only has a few lines, but they are terrifying. This dude is psychotic. Mm-hmm. Amazing performance by that actor. I, I, I probably should have pulled his name, but is this torture scene the most brutal in all of Star Wars just because of how they describe what it is? I would say yes. I've never once cringed and thought like, because it's it relies, it's so psychologically well done for us. Mm-hmm. Just describing what she's listening to makes us think like, what could that possibly sound like to make someone feel tortured or whatever? So yeah. it's like gives you this this like mirror almost to be like, imagine what this would be like. So you're sitting there like while she's getting tortured and being like, I kind of wonder what that sounds like. And I don't want to wonder what that sounds like, but I am. We talked about this a bit in the in the Discord channel. Uh, please sign up for the Discord if you want to be part of this conversation. But I personally loved that the doctor, if you call him that, wasn't the like... He's a doctor. The, yeah, the classic cliche of like, you know, he came in with thick glasses and was like... He's a clopec, probably. Yeah, well, we've already seen it in the Clone Wars. The Separatist doctor who like very much looked like the creepy German doctor <laughs> came in and, you know, I'm going to see how long it takes to you to break, you know, like all of that. So I feel like the fact that it wasn't some old creepy dude coming in, he was young. Like he was yeah. maybe like late 20s, early 30s, which like also twists it up to be like, who, what, what have you been doing that like this is, you're like getting off describing how you found this out, which you think about it doubled down on the darkness like multiple times. Yeah. Hey, we were killing all these beings. And then we found out when they screamed, it was messing with our soldiers so much that we decided to turn it into a torture device so that we could torture other people with it. And he's like looking at her like, isn't that awesome? And then we made lampshades out of their skin. (laughs) Yeah. And you can actually see it right over here. I'm wearing it around my neck. So it's like, I I personally loved that. It, It truly was giving us the image of how horrific this was. I don't think it's the first time. Like I would definitely put it, her visceral reaction to what she was hearing felt the same way for me as like when Poe gets basically like fried by Kylo Ren. Right. That had that kind of reaction for me. But then at the same time, you know, like the whole idea of coming in with genocide, I mean, Agent Callus and Zeb, we know that they had that connection too. You know, and then Callus, of course, the his redemption act, of course, is finding out the Lasats were not entirely wiped out. So I think that you've got this kind of like, you know, you're, you're seeing the, the cracks of where the human part of the empire has not turned them all into just complete psychopaths and that there are humans under there trying to get out. But I, I thought this was, 
This was dark. This is a dark episode, man. Yeah. yeah. And they really punctuated it with the sound design because as the thing was ramping up and you could hear like just the, the subtle, the muffled screams in the headphones and then Bix starts screaming and then you hear the shh of the door shutting, that kind of high-pitched whooshing. And then it hard cuts straight into the spinning of the, the machine in the prison. The bzzz, yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's jarring and like, disgusting yeah her scream like same key or whatever as that thing spinning yeah that's some good stuff right there yeah and then there's an amazing quote right before um oh no no no. sorry it's after they come back after she's done the other imperial officer asks dedra about salmon pack and she says i don't care and this dude says i'd like to hang him what's left of him anyway make sure they know who's in charge Wow. Okay. Um, the bad guys are bad. The Fuhrer will be quite pleased. Yeah. And uh, continuing with Dedra here, uh, they're back in the ISB meeting, war room, whatever it is, conference room. Partagaz continuing to support her investigation. They're surveilling Cassian's mom. They're going to save her for later, save her for bait. She's just an old lady who can't do much damage in, the, in their minds. Maybe that'll come back to haunt them, hopefully. They have apparently interrogated another rebel pilot and... Since he's fried, nearly dead, basically, they're going to stage a crash of, a, of his ship in traffic in Coruscant, just like push it out into traffic with the other ships yeah. as part of a cover-up because of their overreach. Mind you, he's alive. Like, yeah, they're going to put him in it. And he's just, not dead. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, they're like we're going to basically scuttle the ship. Like, I love how all of them were like, ooh, I have a good idea. Let's <laughs> kill him. And then we'll put him into traffic and we might injure other people. But then we can like, yeah. And Partagas like has no, he doesn't have any qualms. He's like, oh, that's a good idea. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Go, go for it. It's like, and all of them just are like, oh, yep. Okay. See ya. Murder. Yeah. See ya. Great idea. Uh, what should we do for lunch after that? <laughs> Moving on to other psychopaths. Cyril, I was almost definitely wrong about this dude. He's apparently a fully emotionally damaged, obsessed political zealot. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way he's going to try. We didn't have all the information. Now that we see his mother and what his, how his mother treats him and all this stuff, like she's just constantly like prodding him. So we didn't have that information at the beginning. We thought maybe he was just a weirdo. But yeah, I think he's his mother is a big source of some bad feelings that he has yeah. in his life. <laughs> Meg in the chat says... <laughs> Cyril's mom is the real greatest Sith Lord of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she sucks. Yeah, she's the one who denied Hitler getting into art school. So the, <laughs> the other part of what I thought was interesting about this is that, so he feels like the longer he's there, he's almost like stewing himself. He's like, you went through my stuff and she's trying to justify it as in like, oh, I was cleaning. How am I? But you know, it sounds weird, but like you empathize for him and that it seems like, like he's really been able to make none of his own choices. And so the fact that he was for a brief moment there in charge of something and it went so horribly wrong is like this dude is on a vengeance to set things right because he had that little ounce of being able to have power, which yeah. we know can do horrible things to people. And, and to tie those two together, we did see that Deidre's assistant was like pretty hot in coming in and being like, hey, I've got this idea. And she goes, oh, that sounds good. Do it. He goes, oh, don't worry. I already did it. With Partagaz a couple episodes back being like, watch your back. Yeah. So you're kind of seeing like she can kind of see like my assistant is very much ready to go over my head 
and say that he's ready to take my spot, whatever, blah, 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 because he's been seeing how this whole thing is working and him being able to contribute to her success, I, I think something's going to happen there. And so either Cyril's going to kill this guy and be like, oh, I'm, I'm available. Let me know if you need an assistant. Or, you know, she's going to catch him going over her back and do something about it too. So I think Cyril said that I, I was watching you. I've been watching you. I know where you go, which is like <laughs> play the, you know, play the police's. Uh, I'll be watching. <laughs> you. I heard everything you said. <laughs> which, which Cyril might think is beautiful, but it's very creepy. Um, so we could certainly take a lot of excitement for what's going to happen with that relationship in a really weird, it was like beautifully awkward. Oh, get me out of there. But I also have to watch and see. Zach the Maker in the chat says, uh, what's in Cyril's secret box in his, yeah. in his room? What's in the box? Hand-drawn nudes of, uh, <laughs> of Dedra. I would say it's his receipts for his hot toys that he has on his <laughs> yeah. table. Or it's like a voodoo doll of his mom. You spent how much on toys, Cyril? <laughs> You're a full-blown adult. Notes about how much he hates his mother. $200? <laughs> Crayon drawings of his mother getting stabbed, blood <laughs> shooting everywhere. Does anyone else get Crispin Glover vibes from this dude? From yeah, this, for uh, sure portrayal yeah. like willard i don't know if anybody ever saw willard yeah yeah it's a weird movie that's a good reference for sure all right uh let's talk about somebody who isn't scary mon mothma our dear mother she's still getting like we talked about earlier just treated like dog shit in the senate no one's got her back have we seen before this the thing where pods shut off when people are like i'm out i don't think so no did you guys interpret that as like a a voting system or just like a I'm out of here kind of thing? I think it's like more akin to like people who don't even show up to vote kind of, yeah. you know, like representatives who just, it's like, there's a vote today. I'm not even going. Okay. I don't think it was a voting thing. Cause I don't know what they would be voting on. I think she was just kind of making her case, but uh, yeah. I think or it's it like, a, sh- like a, a show of hands kind of vibe. Yeah. Maybe. Kinda. I mean, I think mm. it's just people, representatives that are like not even being representative of their people, you know, which is a real real life thing. It's like, they're just not even in the process of politics at that point. They're like, nope. Right. Okay. Bye. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to compromise. Don't want to figure anything out. Nope. Goodbye. Turning my light off. And you could imagine that those pods, like in those pods, they've got lighting, they've got microphones, they've got whatever, and they probably have universal translators built into them. Mm. So you could imagine shutting it off is like, I'm done listening to this woman speak. Yeah, for sure. Yep. It's also interesting at this point, Palpatine is still allowing people to speak out in the Senate. Like every word that comes out of her mouth, I'm like, oh, dude, how do you say that out loud? Like, (laughs) obviously the galaxy doesn't know that he's like the greatest Sith Lord of all time yet, Mm -hmm. but you have to imagine he's still playing the game. He's still like playing the long con and he still needs to preserve the illusion of democracy so he can let these people speak up and do all the stuff. Yeah. I mean, he does say it. He just said, he stated a fact. I love democracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he, loves he, he does, he does say it. Yeah. So he's just being true to his word. I mean, we're closer to like the four year mark of the Senate being fully dissolved and a Death Star existing. So it's yeah. kind of like a, clearly this dude has always had a long game, even past Return of the Jedi, because <laughs> yeah. he's in Rise of Skywalker, spoiler alert. But yeah, I mean, four years away is the end of the Senate and also a giant thing that will just kill your planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome to find out in this episode who Vel is. Do we speculate? I know there was lots of speculation that maybe she was... Um, Luthen's daughter, yeah. Luthen's daughter. Yeah. But we find out that she is Mon Mothma's cousin, Aunt Vel. <laughs> Aunt Vel! And she's a person of privilege as well. 
she wasn't just dressed up for fun when she met Clea on Coruscant recently. She's of the uh, Chandrillan elite. So that's really interesting. It's really cool, I think, you know, taking not just the people who are downtrodden, but people of privilege as well who are woke enough to get out there and fight, literally fight and blow shit up when they need to for, uh, for freedom and justice. Real interesting. And in, in other, like, every week Perrin does something that I'm just like, God, I hate him. And he, <laughs> he like, just, like, snarkily, I forgot what he said exactly, but, like, real snarky, asked Vel if he, like, was going to go find a boyfriend or something now or right. go find a husband. And I'm just like, this guy, come on, man. Did you notice, though, that Mon, like, she turned to her side, she was, like, trying not yeah. to laugh? Yeah, yeah, totally. But there was, like, a sense of, she's like, oh, you're going to find, he's like, you're going to finally settle down. <laughs> But all the good ones are gone. <laughs> and then Mon like looks over and I was like, now see, that is a woman who is not out of the closet and certainly not out of the fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, daughter still hates her as well. Dad lets me do whatever I want, she says. I have a feeling that she's going to end up like outing her or something. It's going to be bad. What's going to happen is Val is going to be identified. Yeah. And then they're going to go, who are your ties? Yeah. Your ties are Mon Mothma, mm. who's been rubbing everybody the wrong way for the past few years. And um, let's look into her bank account. Yeah. Weird. Speaking of, take Homa, her old boyfriend from grade school, she says. Maybe they kissed. He's concerned with a 400,000 credit transaction that she made. Was that the one for the heist? To Part of it was to pay Cassian, right? Mm. That went to either way. She's been using that for rebellion stuff. That's going to be flagged, but only if um, someone scans their bank accounts, which she knows is coming. The Empire's reach will extend all the way to looking at people's actual accounts. But the only way to hide it is to make an equal deposit, basically. So she needs cash from someone, and Tay has the skeezy dude from Chandrilla in mind, who is, air quotes, a banker, but we don't really know. Probably just like a, I don't know, not like a loan shark, but whatever, like the... Um, 1% equivalent is a, a skeezy um, investment banker. Invest, yeah. A hedge fund, had, hedge fund manager. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, so Mon's not super stoked about that. Obviously, the dude's name is Davos Skalden. I like how oh. every time that they're about to drop a name, you're like, ooh, is it going to be so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, no, it's totally. just somebody new. It's <laughs> yeah. just somebody new. Like They're planting seeds for a thousand other things in the Star Wars universe, mm -hmm. but not really pulling on any one big... Turns out there's more than 30 people in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> 33. The other thing that I think could be interesting about this is, is this our opportunity to possibly see more of the underworld of Coruscant? Yeah. Sure, could I hope it be? so. Because like, I, like, you also have to think too, how crazy would it be if that actually was a reference to Crimson Dawn on the logo. And that mm -hmm. she's yeah, saying like, yeah. if he's a, he's a thug, so clearly, you know, it's kind of like organized crime in the country or like in, you know, in Mexico, the cartels are just part of the business. It's right. not like the government doesn't know they exist. Right, and they right. come to the table oftentimes in terms for negotiation. So it's like, there certainly could be enough here for us to get a better look at where the other side of the crime syndicate is. And of course, we know Pikes are in Book of Boba Fett, so we have Crimson Dawn. We have... Uh, that part excited me because I was like, finally, we've got someone who I think represents a more organized version of what the rebellion is that, again, might turn into something. Uh, so I got geeked on that. Let's see. Let's talk about Cassian in prison more in depth here. 
we basically jump in to him now, like fully integrated into the team, if you call it that, his group, showing lots of leadership kind of skills and like just teamwork stuff, like looking out for other people. Like, and it's hard to say whether it's just trying to keep everything afloat while he continues his his plan for escape or if he's just showing those qualities as a leader and, and it's building the character for the version of him we see in Rogue One. Probably a little bit of both, you know? But he's quietly planning an escape. Like I said, he's got this pipe or something in the bathroom. He goes, you know, for a bathroom break, pops open the panel and he's got a little makeshift kind of saw there and he's just slowly, you know, Andy Dufresne style chipping away mm-hmm. while he's also trying to take inventory of the guards, the protocols, everything. He and uh, one of his teammates are are observing stuff like, you know, one of the prisoners touched the railing. One of the guards didn't have boots on. They're putting the pieces together of how how there's a little bit of like um, uh, security theater going on in a way mm-hmm. because they have like the main distractions of uh, the electrified floors and whatever. So he's putting it together and he's trying to get more information out of Kino, Circus's character, but this dude won't talk because he he seems to think the Empire's listening everywhere. And he just doesn't want to screw things up because right. he's working towards getting out of here which or getting out of the, the prison, which we find is... Uh, Not going to happen. Oh, talk about giving me anxiety. Oh, my God. Just dude. that thought. Again, just uh, two things gave me severe anxiety in, in this show, and it was not something that we saw. It was just the thought of something, which is crazy. Yeah. Because getting, finding out that, well, thinking that you're getting out of prison only to go back in is, uh, my goodness. I think I'd I'd rather die, honestly. Complete nightmare fuel, yeah. So Cassian, to skip back, Cassian, you know, where where the title of the episode comes from, they're kind of whispering in the bunks and Kino won't say anything. And Cassian's like, they're, they're not listening. They don't have to. They don't care because ultimately, like, if one of us tries to escape, they just kill us. No accountability. doesn't matter. We're disposable. We're cheaper than droids. They'll just get more prisoners for doing nothing but standing on a beach. So he's just like, it. they're not listening. But Kino's still not convinced until the end, like Nick was talking about, when they find out that there was all this commotion in level two, and they found out that everyone on level two was killed. And that was a cover-up as well, mm-hmm. because word got out that somebody from level four was released. They were done with their sentence. But then they just got transferred down to two. Word got around there and they had to squash it. So they killed them all. And that's why at the end, very last line, Cassian asks again as they're leaving, as he's walking away with Kino, how many guards are on each level? And Kino finally answers, never more than 12. And the credits roll. Yeah, it's great. So good. I watch it very early in the morning and nothing gets me more hyped than something like that. And then you just pop up at five in the morning like, let's go! And then you (laughs) realize you have to wait seven days. Yeah. So you come down from that. It's great though because, I mean, we know with the structure of the show, it's Prison Break is next episode. So next episode is going to be a tense kind of the how the heist arc culminated. This one's going to be a Prison Break. And that all sounds like real simple to describe it that way considering what we're watching but there was a heist arc now there's a prison break arc but look at how it's being portrayed it's it's just it's masterful well we have three episodes left so they might string us along and lead up lead up to it like very last like they did with the heist very last uh line is like all right tonight we break out but i think gilroy said it's that one what was it yeah but he said what was it episode six 
I think episode seven was sort of the outlier. Then it's eight, nine, ten of this arc, and eleven, twelve is a two-part finale, is what he said. Mm. Yeah. So okay. I think I think the prison break has to be next week, and then we get a two-part finale, which is who knows what. Amazing. All right, let's do a very brief but cool den of antiquities. Hey, Nick. What's up, Adam? Where did you get that shirt you're wearing? The one that I like so much with the Star Wars things on it? Oh, this one. This one I get a lot of compliments on. I got this one from Roosevelt's. R-S-V-L-T-S. You know that company. I see them on Instagram all the time. They make great stuff. Shorts, shirts, all the business. Yeah. They have a bunch of great Star Wars designs, obviously. And other franchises like Marvel, WWE, Disney, and many, many more. So many more. They're more known for their button-down shirts, but they also do t-shirts and shorts. And not just for the men, but for the women and the children, too. Dark. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way they fit. The fabric is super comfortable. Can't stop wearing them. Nice. Well, I'm going to rsvlts.com to make a purchase because I actually don't own anything yet, and I've been meaning to buy something. I'm going to use the promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off my first purchase. And you can do the same, again, at rsvlts.com. I'm talking to you, listener. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. It is the dark saber. It's a Kalikori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Hey, Nick. Hey. Not much going on in here, but we're in the den regardless. We're in here. Here we are. It's kind of empty. I'm in the dumpster already. (laughs) The sixth lens camera thing in the interrogation room. Definitely noticed that. It was very similar to the like automated holocams that were seen in the detention block uh, in the Death Star and A New Hope. I think these were white, though. So, so yeah. yeah, it looks like a like a like an old TV hanging from the ceiling, but mm-hmm. with a bunch of lenses. It's kind of the same as the eyes uh, on the one droid in on Tatooine. Sorry, I always derail this stuff. The droid that's just like a base of like tank treads and a pole and two kind of eyes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like six of those eyes all squished together. Yep. This is like an editing choice. Go back and watch it and you'll see it because you might have been distracted by what was happening actually on the screen. But Bix's interrogation, the way it's cut towards the end of it is the same editing as Princess Leia's interrogation in A New Hope. It's like poetry. (laughs) It rhymes. It's the same thing. There's not a lot of it's poetry. It rhymes in this, but that was one for sure. Uh, The ISB references uh, a pretty important planet, right, Mike? Well, they're talking about the extension of where all of these, where the pilots have been and where all of this, they're seemingly seeing this like rebel activity. And they mentioned Kafreen, which of course is the two asteroids bonded together by a city which is called the Ring of Kefreen in the beginning of Rogue One, where we get introduced to a certain informant that kills his informant friend named Cassian Andor. And the last thing in the den comes courtesy of Justin Somfield, friend of the show. So Justin is the LCO, which stands for Legion Commanding Officer of the 501st Legion worldwide. He is a passionate customer. He's been on both of our shows, and he is also the CEO of a high-end furniture company called Jonathan Adler. Yeah, Jonathan Adler chairs in Mon Mothma's apartment when she's talking to Teikalma. They look like they're reupholstered to be navy or something like that. The, I think they were originally a little bit more of a gold uh, color, but that one, he, he Instagrammed that this morning. I was like, oh, damn. 
That's awesome. Because I think he had mentioned that he knew that they purchased something, or like a Disney production team purchased something. So it was for Star Wars. Pretty awesome. That is amazing. He was talking about this last year, right? And we were talking about it again at at Celebration, how he knew that they bought something for something, and he was just hoping that it would be... I think Andor was on that short list of like, okay, it could be the Book of Boba Fett, it could be Andor, it's probably Andor, that makes more sense. And there it was, it finally happened. I was hoping (laughs) for a second that it was the the torture chair. I was like, dude, that'd be so sick. This luxury furniture company. (laughs) High-end luxury torture devices. Yeah. And clearly good enough to fit in a Chandrillon high-end luxury apartment. So, Justin, we know you're listening. Congratulations, man. That is a dream come true for both of your worlds to collide, man. Yeah, I have a ton of their furniture because I'm in a band that makes us a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, dude. It's crazy how much I have of that. Do you guys like my joke? (laughs) Dude, being an artist pays, man. I'm telling you. I have a dog piss stained sectional from Value City (laughs) Furniture behind me, by the way. I love you. I know. Favorite scenes, favorite quotes, favorite moments. You know what's wild is, I mean, I, I enjoyed this episode, absolutely. There was one cinematic shot that gave me the chills when Vel is leaving Mon Mothma's apartment and right in the center of the frame is Mon Mothma. You just see her back turned to the camera and mm. there's like a slow pull out and it's just the beautiful apartment. Uh, Patrick Merton saying it's very symmetrical for sure. You're just in it. It's just beautiful. The you know whatever's happening with the score, beautiful. And then her head kind of dips as if she's like you know she's kind of like succumbing to the idea of what she has to do. Yeah. You know, and it it was just like oh my goodness, I actually got the chills. And I'm like, when have I ever gotten the chills because something just looked that beautiful in in Star Wars, like an apartment. You know, it's crazy. So that, that for sure was something that stood out to me in, in the episode. Mike, how about you? I think the dark side of my appreciation for the Empire and really how it became to be what it was by the time we met them in A New Hope uh, was really highlighted here in terms of how much they're pulling from our own world, our own history. Uh, so I would say the portrayal of the Empire they weren't pulling punches. They were certainly showing that, you know, there's a lot of broken promises, a lot of deception, a lot of very calculated decisions that made them what they were, uh, led, of course, from one of the most evil up top. So I appreciated that this episode specifically is letting us know that by the time the rebellion absolutely wipes the floor with them, that is absolutely worth yub nubbing for. so i would say fleshing out their backstory fleshing out that it was people that are doing it again you're noticing the lack of droids like these are people making these decisions to do this to other people so it's a it's a healthy reminder that oftentimes (laughs) monsters are made and sometimes promoted and i guess the character story building appreciated that we saw this in a weird way i think i'm gonna keep it dark with you the opening scene, the pace and eloquence of the dialogue was just another one of those moments where I couldn't believe I was watching Star Wars. Yeah. It was so good. So Aaron Sorkin level dialogue, the sophistication of it was so good. So much, so much exposition, but in such a tasteful way, such in a way that doesn't feel like exposition. 
So that opening scene with Dedra bringing the hammer down on Bix, and and then when we come back to it, you know, technically I'm sure they kind of shot that all as one, just edited in a way where it kind of cuts away and comes back. So I'll I'll call that one because it includes the introduction of the doctor, <laughs> Doctor Gorst, and that dude's terrifying. And all of it is like I hate it, I hate it, but the fact that it makes me hate it so much, so so well is to be applauded. I was just thinking like, God, I feel, I feel so uncomfortable right now and I hate this, but this is so good. So I think that's it for me. In this episode, we've only been to four places. Like that's what's also crazy. Like Star Wars is like totally known for being like, all right, let's end this conversation and go across the galaxy to a whole nother place. Yeah. Like we have literally been in a prison on Ferrix in the ISB chamber uh, and Cyril's house. Like those are the only places, but it seems like these stories are like flying all over the place that you're like completely in there with the characters, which I think yeah. is a huge, a huge note to the, to the writers and to the creative photography team. Just everything about it's just fantastic. It's brilliant. Let's hear from our patrons, our Jedi council tier patrons who are with us right now watching and listening live. A patron in the chat going by the name Ola Aki. Wouldn't it be Aya? Aki, Aya, Aya? I don't know. Here, there, and like over there? I don't know. <laughs> it's patron Henry Clark if we're really getting confused here. Is it Henry? Oh. Hi, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> but the death in the hallway of that older dude, just really get to see Cassie and the realization of what's happening on Cassian. And I'll put uh, Andy Serkis's, the realization on both of their face of what's happening. That's pretty hardcore. Uh, patron Meg says Deidre went from a character you were kind of weirdly rooting for to full-on Tarkin mode. She's so evil, and I both love and hate her for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Tony Gilroy actually had a, a great quote about that, that he fully intended us to root for that character to make it that much more excruciating when mm-hmm. she becomes this complete piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> nailed it. The haters really hate to see a girl boss. Go full fascist. <laughs> <laughs> and wrapping up, I love you, I know. Patrick Merton actually has what is going to be our quote of the week as his favorite uh, part of the show. So we'll just hold off on that for a little bit. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a solid one. Um, very quotable show. So uh, we're obviously all super pumped to uh, go to sleep and not wake up until next Wednesday. <laughs> I think I could sleep that long. I'm that exhausted. Yeah. I mean, especially after this past week. <sighs> Speaking of this last week, thank you everyone so much for coming out to Mosh Eisley. We saw a lot of familiar faces and had the best party of all time again. Yeah, we're going to keep doing it. We're already, last night, we're talking about when, when and where. Big plans. (laughs) It's getting exciting. Shout out to Roosevelt for helping us throw the party, for hooking us up, for being awesome. It's so great to hang with them all weekend, Thursday through Saturday, just full on hang. Dinner. Mosh Eisley at When We Were Young. It was awesome. Shout out to uh, Jameson Whiskey and White Claw for ruining two or three full days of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Next time, uh, I'll try to pace myself better. But still, it was the best party ever of all time. More family were in attendance. My wife was there. My wife. My wife. And Sarah. And my wife. And Dano's wife. And Drew's wife dressed up as the Spice Girls. Mm. The Corellian Spice Girls. It was themed. It was awesome. Spice runners. (laughs) Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Folks, if you want to follow this podcast on social media, you should. We're at Thank the Maker Pod on Instagram 
and TikTok. We're at Thank the Maker on Twitter, even though Twitter is becoming a full-blown hellscape and I may not be messing with it. Yeah, who cares anymore, you know? Well, um, who cares? That doesn't sound like you're part of the rebellion, Nick. <laughs> If you want to support this podcast, like we said, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod and get Discord access for as little as three bucks a month, all the way up to the Jedi Council tier patrons who are listening and watching right now live. Some options in between exclusive merch, exclusive content. It's good stuff. And it is literally the only way that this podcast continues to exist. So thank you so much, patrons, for making it possible. Thank the Maker merch is where you can find Thank the Maker merch, which also supports this podcast, and Mosh Isley merch, which is still on sale. I don't know if we've pulled down the Vegas t-shirt yet, so you may still be able to get that. We're having issues, we should say, with the poster because Mike doesn't understand what copyright infringement is. (laughs) (laughs) It's called copyright. Look it up. (laughs) So the poster we will deal with this week. I think we have to refund, potentially refund everybody and then print them on our own and ask you to pay again because Mike is a thief. We'll just redo it. Do it again. Back it up. Run it again. If you want to follow me on social media, you can at Adam the Skull on Instagram and Twitter, which I, again is not going to last long. Nick, how about you? All the socials are at Nick Bayside, and please listen to my breakdown on my thoughts uh, on when we were young on episode sixty-eight of the Radio Radio Show, which is out now. Woo! And you can find me on Instagram at Honda Supply or on the Thank the Maker Network co-show, which is called Armor Party, a show about Star Wars costuming in which my next episode, I have the CEO, the deliverable of Anovos, former Anovos, with a new company called Duena Novo, which is pretty cool. So that episode will probably be coming out by the time before next week's episode of Andor. So make sure you check it out at Armor Party Show on Instagram. Nick, send us home with a quote. Once again, this was uh, Patrick Merton's favorite part of the episode. And uh, it's going to be our quote of the week from Mon Mothma and Vel. What have we done, Vel? We've chosen a side. We're fighting against the dark. We're making something of our lives. Strong. Real strong. Everyone, thanks for listening. Dudes, thanks for hanging. Patrons, thanks for being here with us, and thanks for being patrons. We love you. And until next week, may the Force be with you. 